I really see more of myself in Emily than I do in the woman who actually was my great-grandmother, Frances. Emily was a published author, an organizer, a historian, amateur genealogist, and she was such a good organizer that members of her family, descendants of Emily, often don't see the need to go any further back. I had a guy, a third cousin of Emily, in my generation, tell me that he didn't think we were part of the same family, to which I had to say, sir, you are absolutely right, but only if you consider Emily as never having had a mother or a father or two sisters or two brothers. Welcome to Relative Strangers, a podcast about identity, family, legacy, privilege, secrets, dysfunction, and my attempts to convince all the living descendants of one man and one woman, both born in Manhattan in the 1820s, to gather together next summer in June of 2024, even though we are all strangers to each other, relative strangers. My name is Taylor Molly, and this might be a train wreck. Welcome aboard. Welcome to this first real episode of Relative Strangers. My intention is for each of these episodes to be short, especially when they don't include an interview and it's just me talking. I'll offer a couple of observations about genealogy, inheritance, wasp culture, and maybe a poem every now and then about how everyone on earth is related. And in every episode, I'll give you the latest gossip on my efforts to gather my own newly discovered extended family at next summer's once-in-a-lifetime mountain meeting, which may or may not happen at all. Because here's the first order of messy family business. The 2024 mountain meeting, which was to be hosted at a secret location in the Adirondack Mountains that's been cherished by many branches of the family for five generations, has been canceled. Sort of. In the email I wrote to the family in early July, I claimed it was the club itself that had withdrawn their support after hearing about this podcast. However, that's not actually correct. Let the record show that it was actually two of our cousins who called the club and told them to withdraw their support. Yes, the call was coming from inside the house. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I don't know how interesting it will be to anyone. But apparently, these two cousins were concerned by my tendency to dial up the drama just to make things interesting. I have no idea what gave them that impression. One of the cousins told me over the phone that he was also disturbed by my use of uncommon language, which to a poet sounds so much like a compliment that I almost said thank you. The final major point of contention was my suggestion that this massive family reunion that I'm attempting to organize, bringing together hundreds of relative strangers, might, just might, be a riveting train wreck. That was apparently so over the top 
that they unilaterally decided to wreck the train. Quod erat demonstrandum, I say, if you speak the disturbingly uncommon language of Latin, or if you don't, like I was saying. So now the family has 11 months to figure out what our plan B should be. Maybe we should try something a little less ambitious and a little more accessible. I would love to hear everyone's stories of family reunions, ideas that worked, and maybe even a little more, disasters and entertaining train wrecks that did not work. Extra credit if you choose to express yourself in uncommon language. Regardless, we also have this podcast to accompany us on our journey and help keep up the momentum within the family. Which leads me to the next question. Whose family are we talking about exactly? So here's the answer. All the cousins whom I call my relative strangers are, like me, the descendants of one man and one woman, both born in Manhattan in the 1820s, named John Taylor Johnston and Francis Collis. John Taylor and Francis are the patriarch and the matriarch at the top of the family tree that includes all of us. And you'll hear me mention their names in almost every episode. And when I say all of us, I mean primarily the living descendants, because as you might expect, after 200 odd years, some of them have already died. They themselves are dead. Their five children are dead. All 13 of their grandchildren are dead. And as of 2021, the last of their 34 great grandchildren, my uncle, Derek Molly, died at the age of 86 which means that the oldest descendants alive today of John Taylor Johnston and Francis Collis are the members of my generation, the 80 great-great-grandchildren, though over 20 of us have died already in ways tragic and mundane, preventable and improbable, and at least in one case, truly ghastly. To give you a frame of reference, John Taylor Johnston, after whom I am named, by the way, lived almost the exact same lifespan as Walt Whitman, 1820 to 1893. He was a railroad tycoon, an avid art collector, and a big-time philanthropist. Frances Collis, his wife, was a ninth-generation resident of New York City, descended from a family of Dutch settlers who likely arrived in New Amsterdam in 1624, which makes next year the 400th anniversary of our family's arrival in this city. All the more reason for me to seek out all the living descendants of John Taylor Johnston and Francis Collis and invite them to gather and celebrate, right? But how did I find them all? And how did I overcome their near-universal suspicion that I must be a part of some elaborate wasp fishing expedition? I'll delve into my methods in more detail in a future episode, but the one thing I had in my favor is that all of John Taylor Johnston's descendants, none of whom still carry the name Johnston, have always known, likely since they were children, that they are descended from John Taylor Johnston, even though some chafe at his heritage. And now a word from my only sponsor. Oh yeah, I have a sponsor. 
The presenting sponsor of Relative Strangers is FamilyTreeChart.com, a company that can help you make all kinds of ancestral charts. Family Tree Chart is not the website you visit to do your genealogical research. It's not like Ancestry or MyHeritage or even 23andMe. Rather, it's the place where you can make all that research legible and colorful and printable and frameable. And frankly, you don't even really need any research at all. If you and your partner know the names of your parents, all of your grandparents, and at least some of your great-grandparents, including the maiden names, that's already enough information to make an amazing ascendancy chart for your children using Family Tree Chart's online editor. That's all I'll say about Family Tree Chart this time, except to tell you that they've created a promo code to get you 10% off your first order. And the code is METROPOLITAN. Francis and John Taylor Johnston had five children between 1851 and 1866, two sons and three daughters. One son died in his 30s of tuberculosis, I think. And it's a real shame because he was a fascinating young man who helped his father in the office. I'll be sure to devote an episode to the mysterious and childless Collis Johnston. The other brother, John Herbert Johnston, had only one child, a daughter, which had a winnowing effect on the number of his descendants. Thus, the vast majority of the family alive today, I'd say about 90% of us, are all descended from the three Johnston daughters, Emily, Francis, and Eva, who each had four children of their own. To keep them straight, I like to think of them like the Brady Bunch girls. Emily, the oldest, is the perfect and beautiful Marsha Brady. She married early and she chose the right guy. Frances Johnston, the middle child, who corresponds to sullen and mopey Jan Brady, was the late-blooming caretaker of her father in his old age, who was well on her way to spinsterhood when she got married at the ripe old age of 36. And Eva Johnston, at least in my mind, is the bratty, blonde, spoiled Cindy Brady, the baby of the family. Watch that comparison be the scandalous observation of this episode that gets me in even more trouble with members of my own family. In case you were wondering, I am a mopey, peevish member of Team Francis, the Jan Brady middle child of the family. Frances Johnston was born in Manhattan on January 9th, 1857, and by the time she got married, at the age of 36, her older sister Emily, remember that's perfect Marsha Brady, already had a son who was 20. And when Frances gave birth to her last child in 1899, my grandfather, Emily was less than two years from becoming a young and vigorous grandmother. This helps explain why there are descendants on Emily's side of the family who are members of the generation after mine who are nevertheless over 10 years older than me. I'm the middle son of a middle son of the baby child of the late blooming, almost spinster Francis Johnston, 
which is to say, after five generations, and I suspect this is true in most families, no one should expect any of the generations to, quote, line up perfectly. That's probably more than enough for this episode. Next time, I'll tell you what the typical reaction was from my extended family members every time I reached out and said, you don't know me, but I'm pretty sure you're my third cousin or you're my third cousin once removed. And we haven't talked about the famous New York City art museum that John Taylor Johnston helped found and was the first president of, though it might be obvious by now. And of course, you can always Google it. Also, we haven't talked about why my family tree is shaped more like a dartboard. That'll be next time on Relative Strangers. Please follow me on Instagram at Relative Strangers Podcast, where I try to be a little less dramatic, and where currently you can see a photo of John Taylor Johnston's white marble townhouse that used to stand at 8th Street and 5th Avenue.